welcome to Medium Cool, a movie podcast. I'm your host, Austin Glidden, and I'm going to ask you, please go check us out on social media. You can find us at Medium Cool Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's facebook.com backslash Medium Cool Pod. You can search Medium Cool Pod on Instagram, we'll pop up, and at Medium Cool Pod on Twitter. You can also email us if you want to at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, whatever you want, and uh, you know we'll definitely be reading it. So that is uh, where you can find us. Also, to help us out, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. And just follow us, you know, subscribe, whatever it is that you have to do. That will really help us out. I know it's like, seems so trivial, such a silly thing, but it actually is really, really helpful. We appreciate you. And uh, hopefully, we can give you the content that you deserve. Now, uh, today's episode is going to be focused on the 2020. Uh, film that got a lot of praise and it was up for critical, like a uh, critic um, consideration, you know, for like top 10 lists and stuff. I didn't get a chance to see it last year. Uh, it was one that I had kind of regretted not getting a chance to see, but I, I just didn't have a way of seeing it. Uh, but Joe and a bunch of our other critic friends got screeners for it earlier. Uh, it was before I was getting the screener, so I didn't, um, I didn't get a chance to see it, but it stars Anthony Hopkins and it's, it's a, a, a really cool film. We'll talk about it here in a moment. Um, but anyways, uh, that comes out this Friday and we're going to be talking, giving you our thoughts. Joe's also going to tell you a little bit about what he saw, uh, kind of a review of what he's seen the last week. And, uh, I'm going to basically rant about a Nick Cage movie. It's just, it's really exciting. You guys will like it. I'm sure I wanted to give you a quick update on what's going on with, um, these Thursday review, episodes I talked about last time and tying it into YouTube. I'm still kind of brainstorming some stuff open to your feedback. So feel free to send it on social media, email me, whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I have started. I, I posted a poll. Let me start here. I posted a poll on Facebook and uh, Instagram. I didn't do Twitter. I just did those two because I have a larger following there. So basically, I made it where uh, I gave them the option. Should I do an anime kind of challenge? You know, there's a letterbox challenge for anime that I was going to do. It was going to be 28 anime uh, films that I can watch and then kind of like briefly talk about, or a film noir marathon. Currently, I'm at 68 film noirs that I want to do for this marathon, and uh, I've already blazed through eight of them in the past couple days, and I'm going to be, you know, by the end of, you know, this weekend where I'm recording, I'll probably have 12 under my belt, right, uh, just this weekend, which is exciting, because it means I'm going to blow through these pretty quickly. So, uh, anyways, I started the Film Noir Marathon because it won the poll pretty significantly. I'll do the anime challenge either next or, or you know, sometime in, in the near future, hopefully. Uh, but the Film Noir, you know, I'm watch- that's a lot of movies that I'm watching, you know, and I want to be able to talk about, you know, at the very least mention every one of them, but maybe talk about only a few of them. And uh, at the end, kind of do my top 10 favorite Film Noir that I've seen ever, whether it was a part of this marathon or not, but it will likely be a part of this marathon because uh, anything I've seen and didn't like, I didn't add to the marathon unless it was a really important film uh, that's on like a bunch of people's lists. So, you know, for example, I wasn't hugely hot on Double Indemnity. You know, that was that's like a huge one from 1944, kickstarted a lot of like the the big budget film noirs and stuff. And it's, you know, that's, that's really cool. Um, but I just wasn't that high on it. And then uh, you know, I just rewatched it recently, and I kind of have a whole new appreciation for it. And I'll talk about that. But anyways, um, uh, you know, w- once I get through a few more, I'm going to do a uh, you know medium cool review or medium cool Thursday review. I don't know what it's going to be called yet, but I'm going to post on this account, 
And it's just going to be coming out on a Thursday. And uh, I'm going to be talking about film noirs. I'm going to give you some film history. I'm going to give you the directors and writers and any of the relevant information, both historical and production-based. And then I'll give you a few of my thoughts. These aren't full-blown reviews. It's just me. I'm going to tell you guys about a bunch of movies and and kind of give you my experience. So uh, I'm looking forward to doing that. Uh, So keep an eye out for that. Definitely, like I said, subscribe. Keep up so you can get notifications for that. And um, yeah, I, I think I think we're about ready. I'm going to bring Joe in, and we're going to talk about the father. All right, Joe. Uh, we are here today to talk about the. It's technically 2020, but it's coming out this Friday. It's called The Father. And uh, this film is directed by Florian Zeller. And, uh, you know, Anthony Hopkins, really great. We're going to talk about that in a moment. I do want to take a moment, though, before we get into The Father. um, I want to give you an opportunity to tell us about any movies that you've seen that you find to be notable, that you'd want to share with Mm -hmm. our listeners. Maybe they'll be able to dig into them so that we can have a few more titles that they can look into um, beyond The Father. Go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um Yeah. So um, I I caught on Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime a few days ago, Bliss, uh, which which has been out for a few weeks. It hit I think it hit Amazon on the fifth of February, but it stars Owen Wilson and Salma Hayek, and it's uh, it's not a I wouldn't call it a great movie, but it's an interesting kind of high concept science fiction movie, and it's it's pretty interesting. It's it's essentially um, it. It starts with Owen Wilson as a as a, a businessman, and he soon finds out he's in this really bizarre situation that is kind of Matrix esque. That that's about as much as you know as, as I think we have time to say. But there, there's these kind of these two worlds that he lives in with with Salma Hayek. It's the the concept itself is super interesting. Sometimes the execution kind of is back and forth. Um, I would say it's worth checking out for sure. Um, uh, it, it was directed by Mike Cahill, who did um, Another Earth um, a few years back. Yeah. Um, so you know, so he's no stranger to, to science fiction. Like his I Origins is another one he did. So um, if if you're you know if, if you've heard of those movies or, or you're into this kind of kind of high concept stuff, not you know we're not we're not talking like Star Trek or Star Wars or you know that kind of stuff. This is this is very character driven. And um, but at the same time is about big things. Um, it's worth checking out. Um, and you said so, that's so on. Find that, you said that's on Amazon Prime, yeah. That's on Amazon Prime, yeah, yeah. Um, free to stream if you if you have that subscription. Um, I also caught Silk Road, which I believe I want to say is on Hulu. Um, uh, give me, give me. Uh, let me, let me uh, roll can, back on that. Yeah, go, uh, go to, ahead. To and I'll, sure. I'll look into I'll look into see if it's on Hulu. But okay. Yeah, tell us about Silk yeah. Road. So, so that stars Jason Clark, um, who has been in a bunch of stuff in the past couple of years. Um, I remember him from uh, one of the the more recent Terminator films. Um, it also stars Nick uh, Nick Robinson, who's a, a younger guy, um, who you've probably seen in you know he's in Jurassic World. Um, he was in The Kings of Summer. Um, he, he had a role in Boardwalk Empire a few years back. Um, essentially, is a this is based on a true story about a um, a young hacker type who creates a dark uh, a, a kind of a dark net website 
where he's uh, basically selling drugs on the internet. He's selling uh, cocaine and, you know, heroin. And well, I, I think maybe he didn't do heroin, but it was like cocaine and marijuana and, you know, whatever on, on, um, online. And it was untraceable. And of course the DEA is, is trying to chase him down. And um, it, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty fun movie. Honestly, I, I enjoyed it um, for what it was um, kind of a, a middle of the road kind of thriller with some, you know, there's, there's a little bit of uh, the, the cop and the, the bad guy are interacting with each other. There's, you know, there's some, I don't want to say undercover. That's kind of silly, but there's some, there's some comedic beats to it. Um, but it, it's also, it, it gets serious, you know, toward the end. So um, again, based on a true story too, which um, puts a, a little bit more of an interesting spin on it as well. So that, that's called Silk Road. And did you find out where that's at? Uh, well, it, it, um, as far as I've found, it just says that it's on VOD, but it does. When I looked it up on Hulu, it said that you have to have Hulu live TV okay. or whatever. So if you don't okay. have the live TV subscription, I don't think it's free. But it is available okay. though. You can find it on most renting and VOD buying platforms. Uh, so yeah, it is go. available. Yeah, I I did I did get a an advanced copy of it. So you know, <laughs> Jesus Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so so sorry. I don't know exactly which one. Can, can I yeah. can I, uh, I? I mean, you probably have more. I know that there's another one you want to talk about. Um, huh? But uh, are you going to talk about Cherry? I will not talk about Cherry today. We actually, I, I did, I have seen it, but um, we, that is under embargo for another week, I believe. So I'm not allowed to tell you whether I liked it or not right now. I haven't, um, I haven't gotten a screener for that yet. And uh, if we do, though, maybe we'll do a show on it just because, just because of who made it. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big title. But I know you wanted yeah. to tell us about uh, I care a lot. Is that one? Yes, I care a lot. Yeah, is uh, that that is. Um, uh, one of my early favorites of the year. Um, uh, it, it's, it's. I'm gonna say it's currently my number one movie. Although you know, it's February. What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, Rosamund Pike is in it, directed by Jay Blakeson. Um, it, it stars uh, Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage, and it is a boy. It's it's a it's a heck of a movie. Um, so uh, Rosamund Pike is essentially a con artist who. She is um, manipulating the healthcare system and the legal system both to become uh, essentially the, the legal guardian of, of elderly people who uh, may or may not really be able to take care of themselves. But she comes in and gets uh, she has you know doctors in her pocket and things who who are willing to uh, say that these people are not of sound mind, and uh, then they request an emergency ward to be you know, assigned to them by the, by the government. And then she proceeds then to drop them in whatever cash they have. She, um, she runs into um, a, a woman named Jennifer Peterson played by Diane Weist. And she, uh, uh, you know, does her little thing with her. And then she kind of finds out that this woman is maybe a little more than, than she bargained for. And uh, it starts, um, it starts a bit of trouble. Like I said, uh, Diane, uh, Diane Weist is in it. Peter Dinklage is, uh, is the co-lead Chris Messina, um, who you have probably seen. He's one of these guys that you've seen a lot of, um, but you might not necessarily know where he was in the movie devil. Um, the, that elevator movie, you know, yep, <laughs> that yep. M. Night Shyamalan produced several years back. And that he was, was actually, Argo. yeah, I'm pretty sure by the way, though, the devil was done, uh, directed by the guy that did the rec remake quarantine. <laughs> 
Uh, John oh, yeah, Eric yeah, Dowdle, I, I believe. Unfortunately, yeah. Devil wasn't better than it was. However, right, <laughs> fun tie that, that in was there. a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, M Night Shyamalan is the producer on that one. I think yeah. he got he got on the poster, you know. But um, uh, he was in uh, Away We Go also, which uh, starred uh, John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph. Uh, it was a uh, Sam Mendes movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sam Mendes directed that. It was a terrific movie. Yeah. Um, but Christmas scene is again is one of these guys you see a lot. He's got just a couple of of really fun scenes in this he's, he's a lawyer and at one point he wears this really ridiculous like cream pinstripe three-piece suit in court it's so ridiculous it's it's hilarious uh just on its own but um but uh but this uh again overall this is uh uh i care a lot is a it's a thriller for sure maybe not quite i wouldn't quite call it an action movie but it's a thriller for sure yeah. um there's there's some uh some organized crime entanglements along the way um a battle of the wills you know that kind of stuff so um it's it's a really fun movie it has a lot to say about um the american healthcare system the american legal system and and how um essentially it is all conspiring to you know they're all conspiring to keep people from you know having money that the money that they deserve the money and the lifestyle they deserve um and you know this this whole idea of, of predators versus prey and and uh th- there's a, a lot of fun to be had rosamund pike is really good in it you might again if you don't know that name she was in gone girl um she's she she is as good as if not better than she was in gone girl in this film so um i definitely recommend that uh recommend you check out i care a lot and uh, my last one um that i'm not going to call a recommendation um is called the violent heart and it's it's a it's a romance and there's a, I actually if you go to Midwest Film Journal you can find my review on it. Um, I wrote a review on it uh, just yesterday. Um, it's it's a sort of a romance. It's sort of a um, murder mystery, kind of not really, but they do it anyway. Um, and and there's some elements of tragedy in there too. It did not really work for me. Um, it stars uh, Giovanna Depo and Grace Van Patten, Lucas Haas, a, a child star from the eighties who's now playing dad. Um, and then Kimberly Williams from uh, uh, Father of the Bride uh, way back when she's, you know, of course she's been, obviously she's done a few things since then, but uh, <laughs> that, that's what I always know her from. She's uh, she's in this too, playing the the mom uh the mom cassie's mom so cassie and uh daniel are the two leads and they uh there's a, a racial component there there's a, a bit of an age gap and then there's uh has a little bit to do with um daniel's uh prison record as well so um you think that's enough drama for a movie but they cram a whole bunch more in there that just gets kind of convoluted and, and messy um again not not a not something i'm necessarily recommending i saw it um uh and you know, I have thoughts on it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's out there if, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, there's a good movie in there, but, but what I saw wasn't good. So yeah, uh, I think we can move on. And uh, unless you have something else to, to share, well, we can move on to the five. I do. I have, I have two things I want to mention because I've seen a lot of stuff. And, and before I get to those two things, I will say that I've, I'm, I am just full on head first into this film noir marathon which I plan to do kind of a, a Thursday episode of one day, just me kind of doing what you just did, but just trying yeah. to really kind of organize my thoughts and get through eight or 10 of them at a time, you know, and not do full reviews, but just kind of like, Hey, 
here's some history on these. Here's what these were. And 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 uh, yeah, I'll just I'll just run through a list real quick that I've seen so far. I've I rewatched the Maltese Falcon from 1941. I've seen this gun for hire, which is really fantastic. The si- seventh victim, which is a horror noir, uh, Val Luton produced. The Glass Key, which is uh, basically what the book that influenced the Coen Brothers, um, Miller's Crossing, is what this movie is uh, adapted from. Uh, Double Indemnity, I rewatched. Ministry of Fear by Fritz Lang. Uh, Fritz Lang, really, really fantastic filmmaker. Um, also another Fritz Lang, The Woman in the Window, not to be mistaken with the 2021 Amy Adams vehicle that's coming out this year. Oh, wow. Um, a different, a different movie. And then I finally, uh, rewatched Otto Preminger's Laura, which is fantastic. This is so far out of the eight that I've mentioned my favorite on the list. I've, I've erased Joe. I've erased all of my ratings for all these yeah. movies and I'm just going through them all and I'm re-rating them for updated nice. uh, things. I haven't seen all of these before, but most of them I have. Uh, but anyway, so um, I, I do want to say also about our top 10 list that we did a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, I had a change because not only did I get to see The Father finally, which, again, technically was under consideration for last year, uh, yeah. but I also got to see Minari. And uh, Minari came out uh, on the, I think the 12th, if I'm not mistaken, was was when it was released a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I, I actually saw it on that day. We got a screener, but I didn't get a chance to see it until the day it came out, and I haven't had a chance really to talk about it, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I will just say this. I'm not going to get into it. Def- I would say definitely go see Minari. This actually made my top ten list now, in retrospect. Yes. It's a number four, right under Nomadland, oh, which came out nice. last Friday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to uh, Joe's dismay. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. I, I, I love making it sound like you absolutely abhor that movie, and I know that I know, I know. you don't really have just, a hatred. I'm just going to be ambivalent about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyways, Nomadland did come out on Hulu last Friday. But Minari, you can find. Um, I think I think it's just like a VOD you have to rent. I don't think it's anywhere for free uh, with mm-hmm. subscription. I could be wrong. Uh, but uh, Minari, I thought was really fantastic. So check that yeah. out. But I got to talk about one movie, and I'm going to try not to make this go too long here. But this is a nice segment. I think this mm-hmm. is might be a good format for us to do now, Joe. Is yeah, is talk about cool. a few movies beforehand, and then just tackle one. And then we're yeah. good to go. This might be the way to go. Um, I don't think you've seen this yet, Joe. And if you have, you might as well just keep your mouth shut or the blaze is coming for you. <laughs> all right. Because I'm going to get worked up because I want to talk right. real quick about the Nick Cage vehicle, Willie's Wonderland, that came out oh, this yes, year I'm on awesome. February 12th. <laughs> it came out two weeks ago. I saw it the day it came out. And I've just uh-huh. been steeping over it. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, now, 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 hold on. Before you jump into it, I do want to say this. It is, to, to my understanding, very loosely based on the, at least related to, uh, you know, thematically to uh, the video game Five Nights at Freddy's. Yes. Um, and my kids used to play that game and they played it forever and thought it was the greatest thing ever. And um, I was really excited when I heard they were making a movie about it. It turned out to be this movie, um, which is, you know, it's not officially, they're not officially, you know, uh, affiliated, but they're very similarly themed about, you know, the, yeah. and I'll, I'll let you go from sure, there sure, sure. just to know I haven't seen it, but, but uh, it's something I've been wanting to see. Yeah. You're spot on with all those. Th- yeah. I wasn't even going to bring those up, but that's, that is important though. The, the five nights at Freddy's thing is definitely there. 
Um, and it's directed by uh, Kevin Lewis and written by G.O. Parsons. I don't know. I'm not familiar with either of them. This is my first kind of dive into that. But uh, Beth Grant, uh, if you, she was in No Country for Old Men, Donnie Darko. I mean, she was in a, a bunch of, I mean, so many things, too much to mention, really. She was in a right. lot. You would know if you saw her for sure. Again, back to supporting actors. We don't know their names, but you'd know the face. Beth Grant. She's, uh, I wouldn't say she's great in this, but she's great in general. Like, <laughs> I love Beth Grant. But Nick Cage is like the star, clearly, of this movie, okay? Now, now tell me this, all right? I'm just going to straight up come out with it and say this movie is a piece of horse shit. All right. Yeah. And and I'm going to tell you why in a moment. And uh, the but the first thing I want to address, though, is how do you fuck this up, Joe? I'm sincerely curious how someone fucks this up. Here's the here's the synopsis. Here's the plot, folks, for all you listeners out there. Willie's Wonderland is about a silent protagonist played by Nick Cage, who is essentially duped into becoming a janitor to pay off a car bill uh, because <laughs> the city doesn't have uh, credit. You can't use credit cards, so and he doesn't have cash, right. so he has to work it off. So he spends the night in this abandoned place called Willie's Wonderland that is uh, trying to be reopened, and it needs to be cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. Nick Cage, in a fucking Chuck E. Cheese, because that's basically what it yeah. is, yeah. fighting the demonic souls of mm-hmm. fucking serial killers that are possessing animatronic animals. Yeah. Right. How do you fuck this up, Joe? Right. You can't fuck <laughs> it up. You have Nick Cage. This is gold. What are right. we doing here? So here, here's, yeah. here's my biggest problem with it, though, man. Uh-huh. All right. To Kevin Lewis, I don't know your intent behind this. Maybe this wasn't the intent, okay? Uh-huh. You don't get to make a bad movie and then say, <laughs> I made it. It's supposed to be bad. It fucking sucks, dude. Like, right. I, I hate to be this mean about it. This is a one-star movie. It would be a half-star movie for me if it were not for one really great moment where Nick uh-huh. Cage, where he has a, a watch that goes off every once in a while that tells him he needs to drink an energy drink. And they're called, uh-huh. oh, man, I forget what they're called now. Uh, I think they're called Punch Pop or something. But it's it's like, you know, uh, spinach is to Popeye as Punch Pop is to Nick Cage in this movie, right? Okay. So... He's like every like on clockwork, you know, whatever. He's he's drinking these things. And every time he drinks one, he goes into this weird, like super Nick Cage mode where he's just playing pinball aggressively and like dancing and like uh-huh. being super weird in the way that only Nick Cage can be. And then he yeah. just goes back to being silent protagonist and walking through this kind of quote unquote scary, you know, Chuck E. Cheese. But like when yeah. he's drinking these these punch pops, he's just playing pinball you can find it on youtube this is just one of the clips they released and i posted it on facebook and i was like watch this and then you don't need to see the movie because that's how much i hate this movie now joe if you like this when you see it and i'm sure you will at Uh, some point because it is just a completely ridiculous nick cage movie um and it sounds great and if you like it i have to put your ability as a critic in in in, into question okay (laughs) because it's Uh, one thing for someone to like it uh, to enjoy yeah. it for its being ridiculous. But here's the thing. All of the action sequences suck. And they're yeah. like tentpole moments for the movie. They hold right. the thing together. The whole point is he fights demon-possessed animatronic right. animals. And it's right. all just really bad editing because how do you choreograph fights with people in really ridiculous suits? It's very yeah. difficult. Like, I get it. Do better. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I, I have like a major issue with people. And again, I don't know the, the intent behind Kevin Lewis and, and geo Parsons. I don't know what their intent was making it, but it feels when I watch it, like Mm -hmm. someone was like, let's just make a cult film. You don't get to make that decision, okay? Right. <laughs> the cult yeah. gets to make that decision. You make yeah. a movie, and then if it builds a cult following, you get the thing. And this was yeah. this was a, a big thing at the end of the 2000s and early 2000s with stuff like Hobo with the Shotgun, and uh, which was better than this, but still, yeah. uh, you know, and like Rubber, and like all of these movies that were literally made with the intent ahead of time to be these kind of cult films, right? And yeah. there's a whole yeah. slew of them, and we've kind of fallen away from that for the most part. Uh, but this tries to go into it, and it's just so boring. Mm-hmm. It's just so boring. The fight scenes are so stupid. There's nothing scary about it. The gore is boring. Now, mm-hmm. dude, I'm all about some serious gross-out gore. You know, I mean, Dead Alive right, was yeah. in my top 15 horror movies, and that's the grossest movie probably ever. And yeah. it's just boring. I don't know how else to talk about it in this short amount of time because we're not really getting yeah. into it. But my point <laughs> is, like... It's so boring, and I can't wait for you to see it. And yeah. like, I just want to do another segment like this, just a very short thing, where you yeah. tell me what you think, so I can tell you why you're either right or wrong. <laughs> right. And now, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh well, I was, I was gonna say I did see that scene, the that pinball scene, and man, I rolled my eyes so hard on that scene. Yeah, I was just like, number one. Anybody who's ever played pinball knows that you don't take your hands off the little buttons. <laughs> yeah. And and Nick Cage is like gesturing and he's like he's he's being the, what it feels like is the caricature of his of his typecast. Yeah, yeah, where you know he he does the same thing sometimes and I'm sure these days being I'm Mr, you know, I I was an Oscar winner and now I'm making these shitty movies. I'm going to do whatever I want. You know, he's, he's got like that Bruce Willis kind of thing, I think going. And it feels like he just decided this is what he wanted to do or, yeah. or else they unleashed him and said, just do whatever the hell you want. And he's like, he's literally like dancing, gesticulating with his hands while he's playing pinball. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and the practicalities one, of pinball do not allow for this, of course. Right. That that's one thing. And then the other part of it is is that it just it just feels like that kind of that worst of Nicolas Cage thing, where he's just like, look how goofy I am. Yeah. And and look how silly I'm being. This is isn't this great? And it's like, no, not so much. Well, yeah, but it's also inauthentic. It just feels so yeah. forced. And here's the thing: that scene you watched, that is not how he is. Yeah. He's fucking being like the cult film, and I use that term very loosely, but if you watch yeah, yeah. cult movies, he's like the Mad Max Fury Road Max of this universe. He comes in with his leather jacket on a motorcycle or whatever, or a nice car it is, really nice car, and he's like a speed demon. He doesn't say a fucking word in this movie. I mean, he's a silent yeah. protagonist, and then he's goofy as shit in the scene, and I'm like, I could at least enjoy this inauthentic goofiness to some yeah. extent, maybe to garner a two stars, maybe, right? Yeah. Even though yeah. I agree with you. It's stupid and it's eye-rolly, but I did actually laugh at a few of those moments because because yeah. it's almost embarrassing. <laughs> right, yeah, you know, yeah. Because yeah. it's so silly. But, dude, this movie sucks. I'm not usually this, like, 
adamantly against something. Usually I can find merits and I try to be respectful. I can't because this insults my intelligence and it's the exact thing I believe cinema should not be. Right. Um, and yeah. re- I know that's my opinion, but uh, if you like this movie, man, I- I'm sorry for you. I don't I don't understand. I just don't get it. I don't. Yeah. And I get what it's going for. And I think it fails at that. And I think that's what's really annoying. I'm going to keep going. So I'm going to stop. Uh, but, you know, uh, Willie's Wonderland is out if you want to check it out. And if you agree or disagree, hit me up and I will <laughs> fight you. What? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, no, no. Uh, but sir, you can you, let us know what you think. Maybe you can shed some light on something that I uh, overlooked. I don't really see how I could feel differently because the production, I think, is so lame. Uh, yeah. But it just feels like it's trying to, way too hard to be a cult film, even though you can't preemptively do that. That just doesn't make sense. So anyways... Uh, that's my rant on Willy's Wonderland. I'll just take that out of my notes right now. It says Willy's Wonderland rant. Uh, so I'm going to take that out now. Anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're actually here to talk about the father. Date of birth? Friday, 31st of December, 1937. You're living with your daughter at the moment? Yes, until she goes to live in Paris. No, Dad, why do you keep going on about Paris? You told me. No, I didn't. I'm sorry, and you told me the other day. Have you forgotten? She's forgotten. Paris. They don't even speak English there. Dad, I'd like you to meet Laura. How do you do, sir? I say, you're gorgeous. Thank you. (laughs) I must say, he's charming. Yeah. Not always. Laura has come round to help you. I don't need her or anyone else. I can manage very well on my own. Everything all right? Who are you? I say, it's me, Paul. Who? I live here. What is this nonsense? Anne? It's me. Ah, there she is. Your father seemed a bit confused. Something wrong? Where's Anne? Sorry? Anne, where is she? I'm here. What's the matter, Dad? Strange things going on around us. Don't worry. Everything will sort itself out. Saw it in his eyes, didn't know who I was. It was like I was a stranger to him. Just did something to me. I don't know what she's cooking up against me, but she's cooking something up. What are you talking about, Dad? I'm not leaving my flat! I am not leaving my flat! This really is my flat. Isn't it? You see, the situation is very simple. My daughter is of the opinion that I cannot manage on my own. I'm so sorry about this. Why? She understands perfectly. It's important. I explained it all to you. Why do you keep looking as if there's something wrong? Everything is fine. I think she tries to do the best she can for you, Anthony. Everything will be all right. I promise you. There's something funny going on. This film uh, is directed by Florian Zeller and... Uh, Florian Zeller also wrote the original play. This used to be a play, but it's uh, it's written by Christopher Hampton, and um, it stars Anthony Hopkins, Elizabeth Coleman. Uh, she's great. She's in The Crown right now. She plays uh, Queen Elizabeth. Sorry, uh, sorry, you said uh, Olivia Coleman, right? No, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Uh, Olivia Coleman 
Oh, oh no, no, no. That's yeah. what I did. You're right. You're, I flipped the word because she plays Elizabeth. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Thank you for correcting that. Sorry. <laughs> Olivia <laughs> Coleman. Yes, sorry, I was dude. thinking of Elizabeth, and I just put that in my there's, notes. My there's apologies. There's a pair of Olivia's in this movie, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's true. Um, but anyways, Anthony Hopkins, Olivia Coleman, Olivia Williams, uh, Mark uh-huh. Gaddis, and uh, Imogen Poots. Um, there are a few others, but you know these are kind of the prominence. It's based on the play that was also created by Florian Zoller, uh, Zeller, the uh, uh, the uh, co-writer and director. And the synopsis is basically uh, about how the film follows Anthony, which is played by Hopkins, coincidentally same name, uh, as he refuses all assistance from his daughter as he ages and descends further into dementia. So another dementia. You know this is down my alley, Joe. All right. Yeah. It's Ooh. it's already setting up for a bummer. All right, as he tries to make sense of his changing circumstances, he begins to doubt his loved ones, his own mind, and the fabric of his reality. It starts with Anthony seeing people that seem to not exist, then he doesn't recognize those closest to him, and then he begins to lose time. Um, this is basically a, a first-person point of, or a first-hand uh, experience or depiction of what mm-hmm. it is like to kind of descend into dementia, um, which we, you know, I feel like it's something that we we rarely get. You know, usually it's from the perspective of the caretaker or a nurse, et cetera, mm-hmm. or, or if it is firsthand, it's usually the, simply kind of the hits, you know, the stereotypes uh, yes. that people like to focus on. And, and it can be done, honestly, really poorly. Uh, but this film goes much further. And... Uh, like I said, basically, uh, Anthony, played by Anthony Hopkins, as I said, and then Olivia Coleman uh, is his daughter trying to take care of him. And this film is just one of those movies that kind of sat with me because, you know, I just kept thinking of experiences in my own life, I guess, uh, or like or, or secondhand experiences that I've heard of. You know, early on, for example, Anthony is convinced uh, that his now former caretaker stole his watch. And in reality, he left it in a little nook in the bathroom and forgot where it was. But he was convinced the caretaker stole it. Now, in his mind, Joe, this is a fact. Right? right. You have to think of it this way when you watch this movie. It's not him just being ridiculous. No, this is a fact to him. They stole yes. it from me. You know, and his daughter's yeah. trying to say, no, they didn't. And, and just, tr- try ima- like, just imagine trying to convince someone of the truth when they have their own truth. You know yes. what I mean? And that's like what a lot of this movie is. And, and it really, I think, sheds light on on that kind of, of hardship, uh, taking care of someone. You know, my great-grandmother on my mom's side, I'm pretty sure my great-grandmother and many of my grandmothers have experienced this. I don't know why I just chuckled, because it's not funny. But my great-grandmother on my mom's side, I remember my grandma telling me that Grandma Locke, which is my great-grandmother, uh, you know, near the end of her life, she was the most modest woman. She didn't say anything kind of bad. She very, very modest and uh, she became kind of hysterical at the end of her life, near the end, and as she fought dementia, and uh, you know she thought people were stealing from her. So as soon as 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 uh, Anthony mentions that, I immediately was like, "Whoa!" Like this is something that a lot of people clearly have dealt with going through this. Because think about it: if you leave something somewhere and then you forget it's there, and there's a person coming in and out all the time. And maybe sometimes you don't even remember who that person is. Of course, it seems like yeah. people are watching you and people are stealing mm-hmm. from you. How else would you? Uh, 
uh, interpret that, I guess. And that was, I think, one of the things that really stuck with me, Joe. And I, I kind of want to just pass it on generally to you. And and just kind of yeah, yeah. start, though, with, you know, what was something that really stuck with you in this movie, if you could? Because that was, like, the thing that really yeah. stuck with me was the reality of, like, as a viewer being confronted by people with dementia have truths, basically, in their mind yes. that are not our empirical truths, right? Um, and yes, exactly. that was something that really stuck with me. Was To start, was there anything that stuck with you with the father? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, I... I had a grandmother who had uh, dementia also. And so I, you know, I, I went through that for, you know, the, the last several years of her life as well. Um, obviously this is done. This is a little more of a kind of a theatrical, you know, point of view, you know, based off of my yeah. experience, you know, but it's, it's no less kind of effective in, in, in kind of giving that, giving a face to it and showing, you know, that it, it's, that's what this movie really does. Well, I think is, is it shows you the, the face of it and it gives you this just concept of what it, what is going on uh, because for a good part of the movie you really you don't know it's the movie goes to lengths to to kind of throw you for a loop as well you know it's um you know there there's Olivia Coleman you know is playing his daughter and then you know there there's just these kind of jumps in time where um you know he's he's talking to her and and she's planning on moving to Paris and then maybe she's not. And then she has a man living in there with her that's supposed to be her husband. And then she's a different person altogether. There's literally yeah. a different person in there. And we're just not sure of, you know, kind of what's going on. So so you get this kind of the same frustration that, that the, the character Anthony has. And it's it's really a, kind of a helpless feeling at times. Um, and... It, it, it just does a great job of putting you in his head. Um, the the character image in Poots plays, I thought was was pretty fun. Also, yeah, um, she she is a, a prospective uh, replacement caretaker, and so she comes in. And there there's the one scene that really stuck out to me. You know, you know, asking my kind of my my big my big thoughts on it is that she's essentially has interviewed, and she's doing like this extended interview with. Um, with Anne, Anthony Hopkins' daughter, this is Olivia Coleman, and he comes in and he's very charming. Like <laughs> yeah. He's really charming. Like he's flirty with her. You know, an image in Poots is what a good fifty years younger than yeah. him. You know, yeah. or so he's eighty-three and, in this man in real life. Yeah, crazy. Not, but go right? ahead. Yeah, and and he's you know like he's really flirty, and she's like, oh, he's terrific. And then he comes in, and just he talks about how his other daughter is his favorite and how she's kind of this disappointment and she's trying to steal his flat from him. And, and she's got like, and he's basically just running her down and she just kind of has to sit there and take it. Yeah. And, you know, you, you know, of course you see it, you know, she starts to cry, you know, as he's sitting there and it just goes from this being, he goes from being this, this really charming, you know, old man to an unbelievably, I mean, cruel person. Yeah. And it, it just, that, that hits that kind of that external feeling, you know, as to what dementia can do to people, Sure, you know, where, where you, you know, they have that lack of, of empathy for people that it's not, not even empathy. I think he doesn't even really realize he's doing it, but it's, it's just crushing her as she's worked and worked and worked to take care of him. And he's sitting here running her down just, just cruelly to someone else. 
So um, that, that's kind of a key early scene in, in the movie to me. Um, and like I said, you know, we'll, we'll be getting into, I'm sure, some of this uh, kind of some of the, the more mind bending aspects of, of the film after this. So, well, you mentioned uh, something that was kind of the other thing that I thought was really kind of brilliant about it, because most of this, not every single moment, but most of this is from uh, Hop- Hopkins characters perspective, you know, yeah. and um and so you do get a lot of these kind of mind-bending moments. And and you know what it reminded me of? And I, in my notes, I put, at times it feels like a Charlie, Charlie Kaufman movie directed by a normal person. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. And by that, I yeah. mean, like, you know, there are moments that remind me of Synecdoche, New York, if anybody listening seen that, where it's like there are characters just changing, like the actors are just changing to different characters throughout the movie. And it's, it's just like very bizarre. Um, and... You know, and this one, if I remember correctly, you know, there is a moment where Olivia Coleman's uh, Anne comes in, and this is Anthony Hopkins' uh, character's daughter, and uh, yeah. Coleman comes in, uh, but whenever he sees her, it's actually, I believe, Olivia Williams, and it's a completely different, yeah. like, and when when you say it's a different person, I mean, they literally cast a different person to play that yeah. character. And so it's really yeah. interesting. Uh, you even mentioned like uh, it's one of the people might have a husband. Like it's still very, yes. like you're still by the end even very confused on uh, yeah. almost like yeah. who exists and who doesn't, right? And um, and the husband yeah. changes. You know what I mean? Like that right. character yeah. changes as well. And and whenever I make the Charlie Kaufman thing, that's a very loose. It's not really. Oh, but yeah, yeah. but I mean like in terms of just kind of that kind of weirdness, right? But the weirdness in this doesn't feel weird as much as it's almost heartbreaking to me. Uh because yeah, you're because this guy doesn't I mean we've all heard of people with dementia not recognizing the people closest to him. That's just a a thing that could be easily used as a stereotype, right? But in this yeah. movie, it's not because it is from the perspective of Hopkins. So mm-hmm. Hopkins is trying to make sense of it. He clearly feels threat, not threatened, but um, almost in danger. Like you can almost see this fight or flight kick into yeah. him whenever he sees um, uh, Olivia Williams come in when it's supposed to be Coleman. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, again, yeah. both of them playing Anne, his daughter. And uh-huh. he sees her and you see his face and he kind of like takes a few steps back. And he's kind of like looking at her very strangely. And he's like, yeah, where's Anne? And she's like, I'm, I'm right here. And it's like a different actress. And then eventually yeah. he just starts playing it off. Right. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, I, I see. But you can tell on his face. It's like, no, dude's freaked out right now. <laughs> like, yeah. Like yeah. Oh, he's yeah. Oh, yeah. really freaked out because he's trying to play along because he doesn't want anybody to think that his dementia has gotten that far or that he's sick or that he's crazy. Right. But mm-hmm. he's also trying yeah. to make sense of a reality that inherently makes no sense. And I, I thought yeah, that was a really strong uh, choice by Florian Zeller to kind of, you know, write and direct the way that's written and directed, I thought was really powerful. Just to kind of piggyback on something that you had brought up. I wanted to say that. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the, there's another bit too that I really enjoyed. You, you mentioned the watch um, where he's lost his watch and he's convinced someone stole it. And then when, when this husband character shows up, he starts needling him about his watch. Like, and he's, you know, you, you can clearly see now he's, he's suspecting that, that this, this guy that he doesn't even really know is, 
has probably stolen his watch and he knows that. so they're, they're sitting there at one point and he's like oh that's a nice watch he's like oh yeah yeah he's like where'd you get it you know and like yeah. he just starts yeah. like cross-examining him and it, it's all you, you can definitely see that that crossing his mind i don't remember if he actually accuses him at any point but he he, he definitely there's there's a whole segment about where he's asking him they're going back and forth on the watch yeah the, the powerful thing with that scene actually i want to piggyback on that too is uh he's trying to be friendly with him so he's like yes. oh that's a real nice watch but you can see on his face he's like homie you stole my watch right and yeah. uh, but but the, the whole thing is like this is after the scene where he talks about losing his watch and someone stole it right yeah so yeah. and then he got it back and now uh -huh. he's just coincidentally not wearing it and still right. believes it's stole. like you know what i mean like it, it's that repetition that also hints at something in his personality and in his and his uh where he is in that kind of dementia journey i hate to put it that way but you know what i mean like yeah. kind of down that road um and and that's what really caught me with that scene was just we just saw this a while ago and then yeah. a bunch of other stuff happens but then midway through the movie it throws back to that same issue that just really yeah. starts to show how far he's gone and and i can't i can't i also can't remember if he confronts him directly or not yeah. but um yeah, even by the end, you know, the, mm -hmm. the film has done such a good job, I think, at making you think the way he does because of what you're observing. Yeah, and it's interesting yeah. because, like, the director is able to play, like, a puppet master in a movie like this, right? Like, it only yeah. shows you what you need to, like, what, what you're allowed to know and what you're allowed to see. And mm -hmm. so even by the end, like, this isn't a movie where you're supposed to understand every second of the movie. That's like a plot device so that you can understand uh, Anthony's psyche, right? Like you can understand how he thinks and, and where his mind is. That's the whole purpose. It's not about this isn't a movie where you're supposed to understand every plot or every beat, right? It intentionally yeah. throws you curves because it's throwing curves because Anthony's brain's throwing him curves, right? Yes, um, yes. And, and that, I will admit, that took me aback for half the movie at least until oh, I yeah. literally the end and we don't need to get into that, but um, until the very end, mm -hmm. did I like, it, it almost bothered me, you know, because, yeah. <laughs> because right. I didn't oh, yeah, know yeah. what was going on. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I was kind of like, did, did I miss something here? Exactly. You know, did, did, I, did I doze off and not remember, you know, like I, I was sitting there and, and I, I'm sitting there and I'm like, what, what's going on? Why? What? And, yeah. And then, and then you start getting that, um, yeah, you start you start getting it. This is what this is what we're here to to watch is, yeah. is this yeah yeah this kind of uh, deconstruction of his mind. Yeah. Yep. And there, and a, go go ahead. Well, all I, all I was gonna say was that that that's that's kind of the magic of it though, right? Is by the end you yeah. you it really hits home. I think that that's the purpose. And even though it might have been a little frustrating during, because it's like, man, what is going? Like, I yeah. just don't get it. Then you really quickly realize. I'm yeah, not, I'm well, not once supposed you catch to. on to it. Yeah, yeah, once you catch on to it, it's. It's a you 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 realize that this is what this is where you're being taken the journey you're being taken on yeah um, but his his um, paranoia is is a big part of it and you know and we mentioned the watch I think I think we very briefly mentioned but he also thinks Anne is trying to steal his his apartment his flat out from under him yeah um, and and there's a lot of talk about that uh, throughout the movie and. And that's one of those things for, at least for me, 
that was one where I started thinking for a while. It even came to a, well, maybe she really is because she's, you know, and, and a, a movie like this could very easily have these twists, right? Yes. Where, you know, you find something out. And, and I kept almost waiting for that to happen where, where it's like, no, he's really not. She's really just trying to make him think he's, he's losing his mind so she can take this, as you said, this great flat that he's, he, I think he owns outright and it's worth a lot of money. Yeah because of where it's at and you know how long he's been there and he he really feels like she wants it and then then later on you know you you kind of get a a better resolution of that and you know you see where where and what Anne's motivations are and it's you know it's it's not that yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. She, she's got other things but um it, yeah it it's just it's just a, a I hate to say fun because you know given the the weight of the, the subject matter but it's it's, it's an inventive, yeah. I, I would yeah. use the word inventive. Yeah, it's just yes. an inventive depiction of someone dealing with dementia. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned right. the family and Anne and like that dynamic. And I will just say that the film heavily deals with the toll dementia takes on a family as well. It's not just from Absolutely. like Anthony Hopkins' character and how it affects him, but I mean, a lot of this is like you said, you know, Anthony Hop, like Anthony leaving the room. And mm-hmm. then, you know, uh, Anne is still there with Imogen Poots, right? I forget her name right now, but... Yeah. Uh, her name's Laura in this film. Laura. Oh, see, I thought that yeah. was the sister's name, so... And you understand why I was confused, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and, anyways, and again, that's confusing, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Um, Anne's with Laura, and you said, like, after Anthony's been really mean, and essentially, ultimately comes out and says, I was only being charming because you were here, like this isn't really yeah. me, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, he leaves and, and Laura's just sitting there kind of flabbergasted and Anne is just, she's not actively sobbing or anything, but she has these, mm-hmm. her just wells of tears in her eyes. Absolutely. And, uh, like, man, there are just those moments, you know, where they'll be sitting with a doctor or something and mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins, uh, see, I, it's hard for me just to say Anthony because I feel like it's I'm talking about Anthony Hopkins, but I, so I keep I feel bad. To, I almost feel bad addressing him. It's like I want to be like Sir Anthony, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> but I'm talking about the character Anthony. Um, but Anthony and Anne are at like a doctor's office or whatever, and uh, you know, he's just like talking about the flat, I think, or something. But then he eventually yeah. goes, you know, uh, yeah. Um, I'm only going to be there for a while because Anne's going to Paris or whatever. And she just like, her head just like jerks over to him. And she's just like, uh-huh. wait, wh- why'd you say that? I'm not going anywhere. But they just had a conversation about her moving to Paris. You you hinted at this earlier. Um, and again, a lot of this is, is Anthony's mind kind of playing yeah. tricks on him. Uh, but like, I think of those scenes from Anne's perspective too. And like what that must be like. And whenever, you know, uh, whenever Olivia Williams is playing Anne, whenever uh, Anthony doesn't recognize her, like just thinking of what Anne as the character has to be going through and feeling, you know, she's doing this alone, you know, um, and and there are reasons for why she's doing it alone that kind of slowly unfold throughout the film that actually have a pretty powerful emotional resonance with them, I think. But um, but yeah, the the family thing is is definitely. Uh, an important factor of this. I, I do want to bring something up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, Rex Reed from The Observer said, Hopkins is egotistical, senile, lovable, and infuriating at, at the same time. 
but the star never overplays the cornucopia of mixed emotions at his disposal, examining them all with magnificent uh, equanimity. Um, I'm going to sum that up as Anthony Hopkins' performance is magic, dude. I think yeah. he's at 83 years old. Homie is killing this role. I want to pass it to you first. How do you feel about his performance? What are some things that stood out to you with yeah. that? Well, well, first of all, I hate Rex Reed. I'll just say that. Um, yeah, I don't give a fuck about him, but I just really like right. what he wrote. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that that one. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, he's he's not wrong here. Um, yeah, I, I agree. He absolutely. I mean, this is his movie, and you know, well, I mean, you know, Olivia Coleman and, and Williams, they both get some. But he's clearly nice he's clearly the protagonist, pretty much. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He's clearly the person you're supposed to be watching, and they're they're playing off of him. Um, but yeah, oh yeah, he's he's terrific. I mean. And and of course he's he's one of those people that you can just sit. It doesn't matter what he's doing. You can sit and watch him, and just just love what he's doing. And and it is, it, it's a little bit different than most roles he does. Um, he's done in recent years, especially because he's not always entirely likable. Um, he's he's kind of a dick sometimes. And you kind of get the feeling that's not all the it's not all the dementia, you know, talking when when he says stuff. Um, but man, it's just it still is just just watching him and seeing how effortlessly he acts, you know, it's just it's just it is magical just to see anything he does, and, and especially here, he's just it, it's like this is a complex role, and he just handles it like it's nothing, you know. Um, He's he's absolutely a master, and um, you know you you need to you should see it if for nothing else just because freaking Anthony Hopkins rules and he nobody is better than him. So <laughs> well, all so of those go. all of those kind of like the the old camp of British actors, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart, yeah. and all of those dudes. You know, of course, varying ages, but they're all kind of from a a relatively similar generation or or the yeah. same. Uh, and um, and it's not even just British. I mean, you have people like Max von Sydow and <laughs> like yeah. like these dudes yeah. that can just do this phenomenal work in theater. You know, I watched it, it, and Sam Watermeyer, our our, fr- our critic friend, will appreciate this. But if you listen to Mark Maron's podcast WTF, and you find if it's still even available YouTube, but if it's not uh, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere, but find the one with Serena McKellen. Okay. And honestly, listen to the whole thing. But if you only have, you know, a few minutes, go down to about 10 minutes from the end or whatever, or or at least 10 minutes of the end of their uh, actual conversation. Um, And he like Mark Maron's talking about like, so you like doing Shakespeare, right? He's like, I've never really gotten that. Like, I get it. I are kind of like I like the idea of them, but I don't get it. And Ian McKellen's like, yo, you're not you're not hearing it the way it's meant to be done. Then like, there's no way. And then he just goes yeah. into a Shakespeare monologue out of nowhere, memorized. Like it's the greatest yeah. thing I've ever heard. I get goosebumps. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just <laughs> like, I mean, it, it gives me chills because it's so effortless and good. And, and, and Anthony Hopkins yeah. is one of those people, you know, like he's one of those guys mm-hmm. that you can, you can just sit back and watch, you know, he was in, a really ridiculous Shakespeare adaptation called Titus. Did you ever see Titus back in like 99 or whenever it came out? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Titus is a a really ridiculous 
movie. I'm actually going to pull it up while while I'm talking about it. But uh, it's from 1999. Yeah, can, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, it was from 1999. I was right. It's two hours, 42 minutes. And it's uh, it's directed by uh, Julie Taymor. We're getting off topic here, but just follow me here. Oh, it's yeah. written and directed by Julie Taymor. Of course, it's a William Shakespeare adaptation uh, oh. of Titus. And the the cast is ridiculous. Jessica Lange and and uh, I'm trying to find Alan Cumming is in it, and just a, a whole onslaught of of people. But but uh, Anthony Hopkins plays Titus, and it's a really bizarre movie because it doesn't take place in one time period. It takes mm-hmm. place in like weird medieval times, and then there are like cars and like almost modern day or like future or something. Like it's very bizarre. Oh, wow. Not a great mm-hmm. film, but again, what saves the movie? Mm-hmm. All right, it's. Anthony fucking Hopkins, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he's just cool. Like, yeah. I don't know what to say. Yeah. And and like you said, you know, this movie, you know, you almost used the term fun. And then you were like, well, I, I hate to call it that. And yeah. and I used the word inventive. Um, but it, it it is it is still captivating might be the better word. You know, it's it's something that, you know, you're watching and this guy is just giving it his all. And that final sequence, man. And you know what I'm talking about, but the final sequence, uh, wow! I don't know that that like elevated the movie for me. That whole I'm trying not to talk about anything because I really don't want to give right. that away. Um, yeah. But his it's his performance in that moment. Um, yes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's <laughs> that's that's really good. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're right. I, you know, I, for me, I you know, I, I want to. I want to just drop back to the, you know, I, I'm I'm trying to think of what's the worst Anthony Hopkins movie that I've seen. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of what it is. Uh, he did, what did he do? The human stain with uh, Nicole Kidman a while back that had a really bizarre, um, it was a really, it was a really weird kind of thing, but, but I, you know, what, what pops into my head is uh, free Jack from 90, 1992. Have you ever seen free Jack? No. Yeah. So it's bad. It's bad. It's, it's a, it's a bad, it's so bad. It's good. You know, kind of thing. It's uh, <laughs> Emilio Estevez and Mick Jack, Mick Jagger is wow. in this movie with uh, uh, Rene Russo, uh, Emilio Estevez. Essentially Emilio Estevez is a race car driver in 1992 and he dies in a crash. But before he dies in a crash, Fast forward, I believe, 20 or 25 years later, they have developed this technology where you can transfer your consciousness into another person. Yeah. And so they have also developed time travel. And so Anthony Hopkins' character, I might be spoiling, that might be a spoiler. Uh, uh, who cares? It's, it's a 30-year-old movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shit. yeah. Go for it. Go, just go watch it and who cares? So, um, so anyway, uh, Anthony Hopkins' character has pulled um, Emilio Estevez from the past with the intent of transferring his consciousness, essentially becoming him because he's in love with Rene Russo. And it's, it's, and then of course, uh, Estevez escapes and it turns into this action film. Mick Jagger is the guy who's trying to run him down. It's nutty and bad, but still, whenever Anthony Hopkins is there, he's still friggin' Anthony Hopkins and he just owns the screen. Dude. And that's that's just what he does, right? You know, whether he's the young man, you know, he's he's Hannibal Lecter. If he's Anthony in this film, he owns every every frame of every scene he's in, 
and it's just terrific and it's just a it's just a pleasure to watch and that and that's what i want to say about it you know it's the it's a heartbreaking film but he is a pleasure to watch in it as he's depicting this um and and it's it's a it's just a see again it's a treat it sounds bad it's a treat to see him to see him be able to yeah uh, to handle this material, let's yeah. just say it like that. I mean, honestly, in most movies, I'm looking through right now, like his his filmography, and and he's just a gift. Like it's yeah. it's just his performances are gifts. Even even movies that, quite frankly, don't deserve his uh-huh. goodness. Yeah, <laughs> like Transformers: still, The Last Night. I'm looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> his but his performance is still good. You know. Um, uh-huh. Now I'm 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 actually a fan of. Uh, not a huge fan. Let me clarify. Okay. okay, maybe like a three out of five, maybe three and a half out of five fan. Not not like a not a five star, but I actually mm-hmm. like Darren Aronofsky's Noah, which uh-huh. was kind of panned. I I love it because it's just a fantasy movie. <laughs> like it's not even yeah. like a biblical epic. It's just a fantasy <laughs> right. movie, and that rules. Um, yeah. But he plays Methuselah, and it's like, uh-huh. give me a better five minutes of that movie or whatever. Like he's hardly in it. But it's like yeah. that moment where he is Methuselah is awesome. Thor, uh, Thor, the Dark World. I hate that movie, and I love the first Thor. All right, right. I hate that movie. But it's yeah. like, dude, why MCU does not deserve Anthony Hopkins and homies right. killing it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like he yeah. just somehow kills it, or like, uh, I mean, you could just go down. And again, some of these aren't even like bad per se. Like, did you see the right? Right. R i t e the right. Where he plays Father Father Lucas. Oh no, I have not. That's where he's the priest, right? It's yeah. Like a, yeah, and it's supposed to be bad. I mean, yeah. from what I've heard, uh, no, I haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I haven't seen it either. Uh-huh. It's uh, it's supposed to not be great, but you know, I I guarantee you. And and again, by all means, if you've seen the right and you disagree with what I'm about to say, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Let me know. It's got a 38 on. It's got a 38 on Metacritic. Yeah, um, which is whatever. But uh, yeah, that can't be good. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find the like the user the user rankings here. Oh, 6.0 on. IMDb, which is, yeah. you know, I mean, most of these low. are like civilian ratings, right? So it's like, yeah. um, so if you, I love how we're just looking into the right for no fucking reason. There's just no reason right. to talk about this. <laughs> Neither one of us has seen it. Um, uh, but anyways, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes, let's just look at that 21%. It's just got, it's just, again, I don't put much stock in these, but when it's that low and the audience score being 40%, when it's that low, you know, you've probably yeah. got a stinker on your hands. And I guarantee he's probably he's the reason it's in the 20s right it's just the movie's probably bad not the 10 yes exactly so (laughs) uh, the whole point going on this complete tangent is that you know back to the father you know he really carries this film effortlessly he's so good the moment where he's charming in front of laura like you that you brought up earlier is just so well done when contrast against just him and Anne you know, uh, and his moments of confusion, uh, and things like that. It's, it's just a real treasure. You know, I, I, I'll end on, on, on this, uh, Joe, uh, in the end, you know, did you, did you personally have any criticisms or were you just kind of on board with this movie? Cause this wasn't like a five out of five for me, but I don't really have any criticisms. You get what I mean? Like, it's just kind of as good as it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
it, it's to me, it's like a solid, maybe like, you know, like a four star, you know, film for me. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I actually went back and looked at my, you know, my, back at my 2020 list, I have it at 22, um, which is, um, it was just behind the half of it, which I've talked about here as a movie I really, really love. Um, it, and, you know, so it's, it's right up there. It's, it's the top 25% for sure. Uh, for actually much higher than that, actually. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's very good. It's, you know, of course not, not, it's not top five for me, but it, you know, if I reordered some, if I went back and looked at this and, and to reorder it, it, it may move up, you know, a handful of spots. So, um, and I'm, I'm going to guess Anthony Hopkins at least will get a nomination this year for this movie um, just because of what they're, you know, what Hollywood seems to be doing. I'm, I'm going to guess he's, it's a pretty much a slam dunk. He gets a nomination, uh, an Oscar nomination for, for this film. Um, if not more, you know, it could even sneak and get a best picture and, you know, Olivia, it's, it is, it's just a solid, solid movie. And it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not flashy awards bait necessarily, uh, you know, compared to, you know, some of the other ones that are, that are out here, but it's really good. And you're, you're not going to go wrong watching it. It's not, you're not going to watch and go, man, that movie was just stupid. Yeah. You know, it's, there's, there's enough here that, you know, it's going to, it appeals to, to more general audiences, I think, but it's, it's a really smart film. And um, it's not, I'm thinking of ending things, you know, which, (laughs) which, uh, you know, mainstream film, you know, mainstream movie goers will watch and go, what the hell was that? You know, it's, it's got, it's got something for those audiences um, and, and it's got terrific performances, of course, and Anthony Hopkins is a star. So people will, you know, will watch it just for him. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Very well done. And, um, you know, if, if uh, you get a chance to see it this Friday, um, it is out on VOD pretty much everywhere. Um, I've, I looked it up. I'm not seeing that it's going to be on any of the services, but you can get it on, you know, Apple TV, Prime Video, you know, YouTube. I mean, you can rent it pretty much anywhere. Definitely try to give this a shot. Uh, as I said, comes out Friday, uh, the 26th. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan. I feel the same as you. I mean, this is, this is like a solid four star movie, which is a, a, I mean, it takes a lot for me to go above that for the most part. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is, yeah. this is really wonderful. This was, I want to say, because I ranked like my top 25 or something, this was definitely in there. I think this ended up being like number 12 or something. I mean, it was almost in my top 10, but not quite uh, a little higher than it was for you. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I strongly mm-hmm. encourage you all to check it out. If you get to check it out sometime close yeah. to this Friday or really anytime, please, by all means, hit us up and let us know what you think. If you agree or disagree with us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Medium Cool Pod. Just search for us or email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. And uh, hey, we'll get back to you. It'll be fun. You can find me on Letterboxd, Austin Glidden, uh, G-L-I-D-D-E-N. Just find me there. You can also find Joe Shearer on Letterboxd. That's Joe, S-H-E-A-R-E-R. Joe Shearer is on there. You can follow our diaries where we log everything that we watch. And, uh, you know, we write. uh, I think both of us, I wouldn't say we put our reviews fully on there. But, you know, we have some quick thoughts to give a, a few ideas and you know, as I start, like, for example, when I start doing the Film Noir Marathon stuff on here, I'm going to be uh, posting links to the show on Letterboxd as well, so you can just get straight to it. 
And, uh, you know, if we start writing actual reviews that we're putting out for some of the stuff, I'm sure that stuff will be linked in our reviews as well. So definitely go check that out. Find us on Letterboxd, um, on Twitter. He is Joe Shearer 9 on Twitter. I'm at Austin Glidden. Uh, because I'm cooler and I don't need numbers, so it's fine. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, Joe, thanks a lot, man. This was fun. Hey, hey thanks. All right, that is our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed my rant about Willy's Wonderland and Joe telling us about some really cool newer movies that will be coming out here uh, in the not-too-distant future. Definitely check those out. I haven't even seen all the ones he mentioned yet. Um, And, uh, you know, next week we're going to be... Our plan is to talk about the Russo Brothers movie Cherry starring Tom Holland. And, uh, yeah, we're going to try to start planning out a few more things but trying to announce to the best of our ability uh, try to announce what we're going to be doing the following week previewing it in these outros because before it was a lot harder because I didn't know who was going to be on the show with me exactly it was kind of hard to work around people's schedules but now that Joe's kind of like a, a permanent sidekick he seems to be on everything and since we both pretty much get the same screeners for the most he gets more than me and he would brag about that if he were on here right now but uh, he gets more than me so I don't always get to see what he sees but we're going to try to uh, you know, focus on a lot of the newer stuff and then leave these Thursday episodes that will kind of randomly be added uh, for some of the older stuff. And sometimes, you know, we'll be doing thematic things or, or filmmaker ones, especially, you know, toward the end of March, there isn't a whole lot coming out. So we probably will be doing a retrospective on someone like Billy Wilder or something. You know, someone that would have a relevant either death day or birthday or a film that came out as an anniversary, something that we'll tie into. Anyways... Uh, All that said, this episode was about the father. I hope you enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, I also hope that uh, you you do get a chance to uh, see it here soon. The father. Um, I think it's I think it's a really great picture to come out last year. Like I said, it's pretty close to my top 10. Didn't make it. I still liked most of my top 10 better. Uh, but also go check out Minari. That ended up kind of uh, you know forcing its way. It forced. I'm thinking of ending things out of my top 10, and uh, worked its way right above Small Axe actually, and right below Nomadland. So Minari is really good. I need to rewatch Nomadland because I might even put Minari above that. I thought Minari was really good. And go check out Minari. Um, I think that's about it though. I really appreciate you guys listening. And hey, listen, we love you. Good night. Good luck. And take it easy.